Hey there, and welcome to the United Church Podcast. We are a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love. We are striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you enjoyed this week's homily. I'm stoked to be here. Uh, I actually am a pastor right up the road um, at All Saints Church. It's on 2nd and Blaine. And we're doing, a, we're doing a barbecue today, so we have a hot dog truck. So if we get out of here early enough, feel free to cruise by, get yourself a Dante's Inferno dog, get yourself a PB&J with, uh, with bacon on it. It's uh, Rain City Dogs is over hanging with us today. But um, it's really fun to be in the same community um, and to yet be at a different expression of faith in a different community who's gathering together. And it's exciting and encouraging um, to know that this is happening at the same time as our community is happening. And that's, that's something that's really cool to me about the body of Christ is that uh, that's happening just blocks away. But then if we think the city, if we think of the state, the nation, and the world, um, how many expressions are happening right now and how many people are just gathering together to be challenged to maybe they're believers, maybe they're doubting, which is all of us at some point, maybe they're seeking, um, which is a bit of our tagline up at All Saints is a place for uh, people who believe doubt and seek to belong. And then I look back and I'm reminded that we belong here. And that's just, it's comforting. It's cool to know that. Um, I can get really nerdy about uh, church plants and church because I've been a part of church plants for 12, 13 years. It's all I've ever known. <laughs> I, gr I grew up in church, um, but as far as my involvement in community, and in leadership and community, it's always been with church plants. It's always been with mobile church plants, so we always set up and tear down. So I feel you. I get it. I know the woes. <laughs> I see a lot of you breathe out like, yeah, it's crazy. Um, timelines. So I'm going to do my best to, uh, to nail the timeline this morning because I get it. When someone's talking and you're like, dude, be quiet. We have to be out of here in 20 minutes. Um, but like I said, it's good to be here. Um, when Aaron asked me if I would pop in, and hang with you guys on Sunday. Uh, today, I was, I was really thrilled. Typically, um, less than a week of prep is, is not ideal. Um, but I was, I was, it's beautiful how God works because I was literally reading in Matthew 22. <laughs> uh, that, not that day, it wasn't that divine, but the day before that. And he sends me over all the stuff and the notes for today. I was like, wow, that's really cool. So it just seems like God's up to something, even when we um, might not know that God's up to something. Um, a little bit about me. I told you I was a church planter. I've been in church planting teams for uh, 13 years. I actually was privileged um, to travel around the nation and help different church planters get started. Uh, going across anywhere, I mean, all across the nation, you name it, seeing different communities in Georgia and Virginia. And then I was um, up here in Seattle, which you can probably imagine is a little bit different than Georgia and Florida and Virginia. Um, <laughs> anyone from Georgia, Florida, Virginia? Yeah. So quite a bit different being here in Seattle. But one of those, uh, one of those trainings as I was coming up here and helping to facilitate and coach and equip and empower church planters brought me to uh, Snoqualmie. And I said, yeah, how close is that to Seattle? And they're like, I don't know, like 25 minutes. I said, cool, I'll go. Um, but I was there, and I met this lady, and she introduced me to my wife, um, eventually introduced me to my wife. It, it was a long story, but um, that's, that's how I met my wife. Uh, we were long distance for a year and a half. I was with a church plant out in Salt Lake City, which also was a very interesting dynamic to plant churches in Salt Lake City and start those from scratch. Uh, you deal with a lot of 
Yeah, we're just uh, planting faith-based churches, uh, Bible teaching Christian churches. Oh yeah, cool, us too. Well, we're Mormon. And I'm like, cool, yep, similar, but uh, let's have a conversation and enter into that. Um, often got lumped into, are you a Mormon church planter? I didn't know we had Mormon church planters. Are, are we allowing tattoos and piercings now? How does that work? So that was an interesting time for me, but um, I met a girl, moved up here, and uh, and we got married, so that's, I'm glad it worked out. We actually have two little girls. We have Grace, who's uh, two years and three months, and then we also have Aria, who's five months old. Um, so we have two around or under the age of two. So pray for us that we get sleep, because <laughs> it's been nuts. Um, not a joke, just reality. Um, but yeah, I was hanging out with Grace last night, for example, and I always get her ready for bed. That's my job. Um, mom does everything else in the world because uh, moms rule the universe. And I just need to get Grace ready for bed. So I was getting her ready for bed, and I brush her teeth, and it's like World War III brushing her teeth because she loves biting the toothbrush while I'm trying to brush, and she knows it drives me batty. She knows it drives me absolutely insane. And it's, you know, I can see the finish line, and I'm almost there, and I'm almost putting her down. I'm almost ready just to sit for a second and just breathe from the day, and she just... She loves messing with me while I brush her teeth. I'm like, sweetie, so no what? No talking, no singing, no biting the toothbrush. Okay, and she does all three every time, just despite what I'm saying. Um, but at the end of that, there's this really sweet moment um, that we have, and, and I, I've done this with her for about a year and a half, but we have a, a time where we, where we talk, and I call it our daily focus. And I look at her, and, and I say, I say, um, well, I used to say, now she says it to me, we, I say, you are smart, you are beautiful, you are brave, you are strong, you are kind, you are loved, you're loved by mommy, daddy, baby Aria, and Jesus, you are loved by yourself, and you are Gracie girl. And she puts up her hands, and she gets excited. But now she says that back to me, which is this really sweet moment. She, I say, tell me the daily focus, and she goes through the whole thing, and she says it, and she's at the end, I am Gracie girl. And... Um, it's just a beautiful moment that we have. Um, a little bit more on that to come. I'm going to pop into our scripture here for the day. Um, so we're in Matthew 22, and we're in 34 through 40. I'm just going to read this, if that's okay. So Matthew 22, 34, it says, But the Pharisees, when they heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, gathered themselves together. And one of them was a lawyer, asked him a question, trying him. And he said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in all of the law? And he said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, the whole law hangs and all of the prophets and so that's the scripture that we're in today. Um, let me pray real quick. Jesus, uh, we just, uh, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you that we can gather together. Um, Lord, I thank you for community. I thank you for friends. I thank you for neighbors, even if we've never met before, uh, just trying to enter into this story that you have for us. Uh, thank you for that. And help me to get out of the way. Please communicate what you'd like to communicate this morning. Uh, use me. I'm available in your name. Amen. Um, I love this scripture verse. Um, I absolutely, I love when people ask me, they find out I'm a pastor. So like I meet somebody and they're like, hey, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh, I'm a, 
I'm a, I'm a pastor, and I usually don't lead with that because people turn off right away. <laughs> like on planes, I'm like, oh, hey, yeah, I'm a pastor, and they turn off. So what I say now is I go, oh, I get to build community, and I get to lead people, and I get to equip people to um, help wrestle with life's big questions and, uh, and all the things that come with that. And inevitably, people want to know more about that because that sounds really cool, and that sounds exciting. We need more of that. And then they find out that, yeah, I work with the church, I'm a pastor, and they go, oh, and it's a little bit different of a response, but, but I love that because I always tell people when it gets messy, uh, when it gets crazy, when we can't quite figure out what life looks like, we can always just come back around to loving God and loving people. We can start there. We can enter into all of the questions that we have. What about this and what about that and what about this people group and what about what God used to do in the Old Testament and all these things. And it gets a little convoluted sometimes that we can always just take a breath and come back to go, you know what? Love God and love people. And I love it. It feels like, it feels like uh, I won't say the trump card because I'm in Seattle and you don't know what that is ever going to uh, elicit. But I will say it just feels like it feels like the game ender, right? It feels like checkmate because nobody checks no on that box. Like nobody goes, wait, love God and love people. That's the most important thing. How stupid, how arrogant is that to love people? Right? No one ever says that. So I love this part of scripture. Typically, when pastors ask you to teach in their communities, they give you something like, hey, why don't you teach on, I don't know, tithing and giving? Or why don't you teach on, like, um, the tensions between, you know, the uh, different communities and, and the church and, and the influence of the church? Had. Why don't you teach on, like, how the Crusades were a bad idea? But this one was like a softball pitch. It was like, here, talk about love. Great. Fantastic. I can do that. I think... Um, I think oftentimes when we talk about loving God, we, we instantly try to think of ways that we can love God. Like we think of all these different things that we can do to attain God's love. At least I do. Um, I might be the only human in this room, but it's, it's funny that when we talk about God's love, um, instantly we try to create lists and we try to create um, almost a merit system. Okay, so I'll do these things, and if I do these things, then that will show God that I love him. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe why that's a misconception of God's love and how it works. Um, oftentimes, I think that we view God as a part-time kind of a deal. Like, oh, I like to check in. I hear people say a lot, especially in our community of people who, um, who are just new to faith. They say, oh, yeah, I, had a, I haven't been here for a couple weeks, so I thought I'd pop in. And I'm, I, I, it's fine, I'm glad you're here, but it's, it's not like you're going to gain more points because you're here. Or it's not like, I think you're a better person because you're here in a building on a Sunday. It has nothing to do with that. And I don't think God is as concerned about that. Does, does God want us to be in community? Absolutely. Does he want us to come together and worship him and remember? Absolutely. Um, is that a scorecard that he is keeping somewhere on this golden throne with lightning bolts at the ready to cast down at humanity? And is he just keeping score? No, no. But yet when we think about loving God or when I think about loving God, uh, that's where my brain goes sometimes. Um, it's helpful for us to view God and God's love as a full-time experience and not a part-time gig. So what does that look like? I mean, it looks like when we're interacting with our family. It looks like when we're interacting with our friends. Uh, it looks like when we're interacting with people who we don't agree with or who don't agree with us. Um, <laughs> it kind of leans into this idea of practicing presence with God as well, right? Like, like we can, we can kind of get into the routine of, you know, walking through life and not really being present in the room or present in a conversation. I hopped online and I was looking at 
um, the video that you guys have up on, on your website, um, doing a little research, seeing what I was getting into here. But I was, I was watching that and just that whole theme of pouring coffee, preparing coffee, sitting, connecting, one-on-one, looking each other in the eyes. This is, this is presence with people. And where we get that is we look at God and, and we look at our relationship with God and what God calls us into, and that's this idea of presence. We, we don't serve a God and we're not called into relationship with a God who's not present, who's somehow absentee, who like, you know, was the father that just kind of checked in for a minute and then he's out and then, you know, he's not Disneyland God. He doesn't come back in and go, hey, remember me? I'm cool, right? We get along. Awesome. What do you need? Toys? Blessings? Like he's not a blessing vending machine. He's a God that's present with us. And he asks us to do the same. Um, A lot of us have had experiences with absentee fathers. Um, I know I've heard my fair share of stories about fathers who are there and then they're gone. And then they're there, and they're gone, but they're never really present. Our God is present, and he asks us to be the same way with each other. This is um, this idea of, of, of loving God and God's love through us. Really, we're, we're created to do this. I know sometimes when I think about, man, how do I love humanity? Okay, we're called to love God. We're called to love humanity. How? I work with a guy named Jimmy, and he's, he's, the, he's the why guy, and he's the how guy. So we're like, hey, we're going to do this. And he always goes, you know, we're brainstorming and marking on boards, and it's like, yeah, we'll do this and that, and that'll be so cool. And he goes, hey, how are we going to do that, and why would we do that? And we go, oh, buzzkill. Like, he's the buzzkill in the meeting room. He's the buzzkill because he's like, hey, practical things here. Like, how are we going to do this, and why, why are we doing this? Well, um, we are actually created to be lovers of God. We are, we are wired in such a way to worship something. Because one thing is for sure, if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something in this life. Like no one ever just walks through life just kind of floating. Nothing's really important. And if people tell you that, it's probably themselves that they worship. <laughs> I'm so humble. I'm so, oh, awesome. You talk about how humble you are all the time. Maybe you're not that humble. Um, you know, I, I, I think that, that we're always called into this, into this uh, affectionate relationship, and if we don't have that with God, if we don't find that in Christ, we find that in something, be it ourselves or other people or our job, our finances, where we put our security, where do we lay our head at night, literally, where do we lay our anxieties and fears down next to and say, I'm okay because I have, what, a home, or I'm okay because I'm making X amount of dollars a year. I'm okay because I have this many people around me, and as long as I have that many people around me, I feel good about myself. Or are we okay at the end of the night because we just know that God loves us and that we love God and that we're trying to figure out how to to do that better and what that looks like every single day. Um, There's a verse. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of it. If you've been to a sporting event, you've seen it held up with signs. Um, I remember when I was young, there's a motorcycle out there. I'm so ADD. <laughs> that's, that's tough. Um, I remember I used to watch WWF wrestling. Anybody used to watch that? No one. You did. Great, because you're from Georgia. Kidding. Um, no, I used to watch that, but I remember all when I was a kid, I just used to see John 316 up, and I was like, why, why are they holding up that sign? I was so confused. So I went to church, and I knew what John 316 was, but I was so confused why they were holding it up at a wrestling match. But it's probably the most well-known verse. It's, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. 
And I find that this is uh, interesting for a lot of reasons. One, it's really awesome that God loves us so much that he would give us his son. Um, but I want to focus on the word maybe that we don't focus on. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. So it doesn't say, that for God so loved the world, that he sat and pondered on his golden throne with said thunderbolts lying next to him, because that's clearly the picture of God. Um, that was sarcasm. Don't take that back. Don't tell Aaron, yeah, you know what he taught about? <laughs> that God's a harsh judge and he throws lightning bolts. And he sits on a really cool gold platform. Um, but God, God so loved the world that he sat and pondered about how, how much he loved the world. It doesn't say that. For God so loved the world uh, that he made a list of things that they could jump through and attain one day by their own merit. Nope. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave. He did something. There was an action tied to it. And there was a sacrifice tied to it. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Um, something I think that's interesting to remember when we think about the love of God <clears throat> is that God actually desires us. I mean, it's clear in this scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his son so that we could have a chance at this thing, so that we could have a relationship with him, so that there would be a pathway, so that we didn't have to jump through hoops. Like, God actually desires relationship with us. God's not sitting there indifferent about our lives. God wants to be with us and wants us to be with him. Um, on top of that, not only does God desire us, but we're actually wanted by God. And that can be different, right? That God <laughs> desires us, but it's a whole nother level if God desires us, but then he actually like really wants us. So like, think about it like this. Like, God doesn't just love you, but he likes you too. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> that the God of the ages doesn't just, like, love us because he has to, but he likes us. Do you all have family members that you love very much, but you really don't like being around them? Anyone brave enough to raise a hand? Yeah, look at you. <laughs> Me. Yeah, I have them too. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I just, I, I've been fascinated with this concept that, you know, yeah, God loves us. He created us, but, like, he likes us. Like, he finds us interesting. <laughs> like, he focuses in on the little idiosyncrasies that he knows about us, and he likes those things. I think back to when I first met my wife, and uh, we would talk for three and a half hours on the phone. Remember those days, any of you who are married? Now you try to find 20 minutes to talk between changing kids' diapers. But there was a day where we talked for three, three and a half hours on the phone, and I just remember all those little things. One of my questions to her was, what, what's your favorite ice cream up front? She liked mint chocolate chips, so it was a match made in heaven. And uh, that's probably the reason why we're married today. Uh, if she said cookie dough, I would have been out of there. But, but yeah, the, just this, <laughs> this idea that God likes us, and he likes things about us, that we're wanted. Not only does he desire us, but we're wanted by him. Uh, so that, for me, begs the question, well, if God is this God of love, and if we don't have to do anything to earn his favor, right? Grace literally means unmerited favor. You don't do anything to earn more. You can't do anything to lose it. It's just there. It's a gift. It's ready. The table is set. And so, well, if that's the case, then what does it look like for us to act on this love if we don't have to do anything to earn it, right? Like, that's a bit of a tricky conundrum. So, okay, so we don't do anything. It's like, not necessarily. Okay, so what do I do? Nothing. 
Like, what, is, what does that mean? Well, um, you know, do we read more scripture? It's a great idea. Uh, do we pray more? And by prayer, I mean speaking, but also listening, and probably listening more, like maybe, I don't know, 10 times more than we speak. Um, there's this great story about Mother Teresa. I'm not going to get all the details right, but I remember the substance of it, so I'll communicate it like I do, um, like I remember every single bit. But there's this reporter who is doing uh, an interview with Mother Teresa, and, and I believe it was a woman, and she said, um, man, I'm going to be interviewing Mother Teresa, and I better ask her really important questions. Like, this is Mother Teresa. Like, oh. And so she asked this question. She said, I know what I'll do. So she said, okay, Mother Teresa. And she's sitting there, and it's this epic moment in her life. And she says, what do you say to God when you pray? Like, what does Mother Teresa say? And Mother Teresa sits there for a minute and says, you know, I really don't say much of anything. And so she's like, oh. <laughs> well, there went my epic question with this beautiful answer to all of humanity that was going to unlock all the great things in my life and everyone else's. But then she, sit, she sits there and she goes, okay, think of a follow-up real quick on my toes. Oh, aha. Okay, well, if you don't say anything, then what does God say to you when you pray? <laughs> right? And she sits there for a minute and she goes, you know what? He really doesn't say much either. Mind blow. Like to be so in rhythm with who God is, not arrogantly, in humility, and when you're asked, what do you say to God, or what does God say to you, you just go, we just kind of, we just are. <laughs> we take time to be, to be present. And you know, I would propose that that's quite possibly the first step on acting in God's love, to spend more time with God. Reading scripture, yes, absolutely. How do we know about God? How do we know what we hold as truth or what, you know, someone goes rogue and says, hey, guess what? It's all about hate, guys. How do we know to go, no, it's not. It's not all about hate. It's about love. Well, scripture's a great way to, to keep that in check and in balance. What has God already spoken? What is inspired by the Spirit? Um, prayer, yeah, absolutely. Praying, these are things we can do. Community, being connected, having coffee with each other living life together, having meals together. These are all ways that we can live into this beautiful love that God offers us. And not only that God offers us, but really the very nature of who God is. So how about this? So how about doing the works of Christ? Maybe that's a place we can start to engage with this love and to be present and to spend more time with God. So what better way to spend time with God than to do the things that we saw Jesus do? Reach out to the marginalized. <laughs> Be with the poor, the least of these. Old Testament says the poor and the powerless. New Testament says the least of these, right? I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was naked, you gave me something to wear. I was a stranger, you welcomed me in. I was sick and you came to visit me and ministered to me. Not just visit me, but ministered to me, took time, connected. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Do the things that Jesus did Maybe that's a start. How about saying the things that Jesus said? <laughs> How about not looking at scripture and going, hey, I know I'll put my own unique spin on that. Of course we all have an interpretation of these things. But I mean, if Jesus said it was probably really important. Now am I saying that the only things we should do in this life are just regurgitate the same things that Jesus said? So it's like, hey, how are you doing today? And then you just spout out a scripture? No. <laughs> 
But I mean, in that same vein, with that same premise that if God is love and Jesus <laughs> came here in flesh but also maintained his deity in full, then Jesus is love. And if he's saying things out of pure love, maybe that's a good place to start. I don't know. So there's this, a quote that I love, and it says, um, stop asking God to bless the things that you're doing. Hop on board with what God's already doing because it's already blessed. Maybe that's a way that we can enter into this beautiful love that God has laid out before us that the table is set for us to partake in. Um, what if the question, just a quick pondering, and then I'll wrap up here because that was pretty quick. Uh, what if a question surrounding love isn't how do I love God, but rather how do I allow myself to be loved by God? Suddenly it completely circumvents all of the process of, here, I'll do these things and I'll do that and I'll make sure I have this as a priority and I'll climb the ladder of success and love and, and perfect standing with God. And what if it's not about that at all? What if it's about posturing yourself and opening yourself up to say, how do I allow myself to be loved by God? What if God has been trying to find you, to know you and to love you? Like, what if that's what God's been up to? Not sitting on the golden throne with the bolts ready for you to step out of line, but what if God has just been trying to find you? There's an incredible piece of writing and poetry. Uh, it's called The Hound of Heaven by Francis Thompson. Anyone ever read that? No? Oh, my goodness. Read it tonight. So it's, oh, I'm so excited. I thought everyone was going to be like, yeah, yeah, done, next. Okay, so check this out. So it's a poem. And it's by Francis Thompson. I won't read the poem, but um, instead of summarizing it, I'm going to read what someone wrote about it who is way smarter than me, because that's a good way to do things. It says, so it's called The Hound of Heaven. And, and this writer says, the name is strange. It startles one at first. It is so bold. It's so new, and it's so fearless. It does not attract, <laughs> rather the reverse. But when one reads the poem... This strangeness disappears about the title. The meaning is understood as the hound follows the hare, never ceasing on its running, ever drawing nearer to the chase with an unhurrying and unperturbed pace. So does God follow the fleeing soul of his divine grace. And, through, and though in sin or in human love, away from God it seeks to hide itself. Divine grace follows after, unwearyingly follows after, till the soul feels its pressure forcing it to turn to him alone in that never-ending pursuit. The hound of heaven. This is the picture of who God is. Passionately, a hound chasing after a hare, relentless, just waiting for us to stop running, put our feet down and go, okay, <laughs> All right, love, grace, I'm in. God never stops pursuing us, never stops chasing us, never stops offering us love and his grace and his mercy, ever. Super quick, and then I'm done. We talked about earlier my, um, my daughter, um, how we do that daily focus. And we go through, you know, she's smart, she's, she's beautiful, she's creative, she's kind, all these things. And... Um, I'm going to try to do this without tearing up. I think I can do it if I just push through. So this morning, I wasn't going to talk about this. Um, this morning, 
on the monitor, she has this clock that turns orange when she can wake up and actually be done with sleeping. And so she just kind of waits. If she wakes up before that, she plays with her stuffed animals and all of her little plushies. And she organizes them. She stacks them. She has conversations with them. She sings to them. So she's kind of like muttering and doing these things. And it's super cute. But she, uh, I, I'm, I'm getting ready. And I can hear her like saying something. It sounds very rhythmic. And I was like, what? I was like, what is that? And so I turn it up a little bit, the monitor. And she has her, um, ooh, it's going to get me. She has her bunny <laughs> that she loves. And she's going, you are smart. You are creative. You are beautiful. You are strong. And she's going through the whole thing. And she, uh, she gets to the end, and she says, you're loved by mommy, daddy, Gracie, maybe Aria. And you are loved by you, bunny. And then she says, you are bunny. <laughs> and it's funny, and I'm laughing, but... It gave me such a perfect picture of how do we let this love infiltrate our hearts? I mean, I'm not the hero of that story. Oh, what a good dad. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the people who came before me who told me that when I started believing that. When I engaged and said, all right, I don't like how my life looks anyway, to be honest with you, so I'm, I'm in. What do you want from me, God? They're the heroes of the story. And it started with Jesus, and I am loved, that I am all these things, not because I think I am, or because I earned it, <laughs> but because this is the very nature of our God, to love, to set the table, the grace of Christ. And so how do we practice presence with that? Well, my daughter knows that because we, it's repetition, we do that every night, but now she's passing that on to her little plushies and then eventually humanity, I would hope, if you're doing anything right. Um, but it's more than just repetition. It's something that she believes and it's something that she takes time to think of and that's processing in her head every single morning. And so she's heard that. She's been present. Uh, the repetition would be scripture. The follow through of that would be prayer. The fact that we connect, the fact that I connect with my daughter, that we spend time together. Sometimes we don't even speak. We just take walks and we spend time together. That we listen to each other and we speak to each other. We get frustrated with each other. And then we always say, hey, you know, Gracie, that when daddy's mad at you, you know, I still love you, right? And she says, yeah, well, when Gracie's frustrated at daddy, I still love daddy too. Great. That's the picture. Not that I'm God and she's Jesus and my family's perfect. We're not. Trust me, ask my wife. She'll tell you all about my flaws. Um, but it's just this idea that we can just be present and that we can enter into this love and that we can be in Scripture because it matters, that we can pray and be connected because that's how, that's how we don't earn anything. We just practice that presence together with our Creator. So I'm going to pray and we're going to continue on here. Um, man. Jesus, thank you so much that you are the hound of heaven, that you are passionately pursuing us, that it's not about this, this list that we have to go through, and it's not about this, this process in the sense of we're going to earn more of your favor or less of it, but rather you've set the table for us. It's an open invitation, and we get the opportunity to either step into that or to not even set foot in the room. Help us to be a people 
that not only understand who you are and what your love is all about, but then we take that next step to let you work through us and pour out your love onto humanity. Because if there's one thing this world needs less of, it's destruction. (laughs) And if there's one thing that this world needs more of, it's agents of love that are pouring out your love, that are used as conduits for your spirit to flow through into communities and neighborhoods and individuals' lives in our city. Help us to understand what it looks like to just be with you and in doing that, understand that you are love. Not that you love, not that you like to love or you're good at loving, but that you are love. Help us to accept that love. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at noon at 1316 3rd Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.